Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Oh, here we go, boys. Go. Love that sound. This is a good one. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Waterfall Wednesday edition of the Full Scale Outdoor Podcast. I'm Nick Johnson. Today, we are borrowing the Nature Bros Studio to help us record a podcast. We're with Josh and Ben Webster. How you guys doing today? Good, Nick. What's up? A- average at best. Yeah. Average at best. Yep. Okay, so uh, the reason I wanted to do a podcast here with Ben and with Josh is because I kind of had uh, I had a podcast idea with Ben when we were up in Saskatchewan, and uh, he said to, something to me that really surprised me. And uh, Otis got injured when we were up in Saskatchewan. That's your black lab. He's an eight-year-old black lab. Oh, he's just a lab. I mean, he doesn't identify as black. <laughs> Why is he going to be black? Well, he... he <laughs> well, hold on. Okay. I'm old school. I still describe things. <laughs> Let me... Because he well, is. That's why. And, uh... Yeah, but real quick, with the whole lab situation, like, every time someone talks about their dogs and, like, if it's a... A lab, they always say if it's a yellow lab, a black lab, a chocolate lab, or whatever. Like, I've never the best kind, right? (laughs) So, you never hear just like mutants, my lab. You know, if you just say lab, then most likely it might just be a mutt of a a lab dog, right? I don't know, but anyways, carry on. I just want to throw that out there. Okay, so the thing that you said surprised me because you're kind of bummed out about Otis getting hurt and he couldn't finish out the season up there. Was you said that's uh, Otis is my first dog. And that really surprised me because uh, I didn't know that about you, and you seem very, very knowledgeable about dogs and uh, and training them and hunting with them. You've got a lot of dogs, not just waterfowl dogs. You got Harley and you have Otis for labs, but you have upland dogs, 
you've got a house mutt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so when you when you said that Otis was your first dog, that kind of actually blew me away. You seem well, like a guy. My, he's my first, uh, my own like waterfowl dog. Like the one that yeah. My only other dog that I would consider probably mine was me. And my dad got had an English Pointer. Okay. When I was growing up. Sure. And I had it. My dad had a dog too when I was growing yeah. up. So then. Uh, <laughs> I thought it would be kind of good to have a conversation with you and bring Josh in because Josh always asks like inquisitive type questions. Pressure's on now. (laughs) But um, about uh, like, so a guy in my position and maybe people like some of our listeners too that are listening, like are thinking about getting their first dog. You hooked up Bruno with uh, um, the Southern Oak Kennel stud dog, Bruno. I got to run him all of Saskatchewan. And that kind of just was like, God, this is nice. When I was working with Bruno, I was like, this is pretty awesome. And uh, I thought maybe you might be a good guy to just uh, have a talk with about, like, since you got your first dog, actually not that long ago, eight years ago, and you're very knowledgeable about waterfall hunting dogs, not just waterfall dogs, but dogs in general, like, is there some uh, pointers or mistakes or any advice you could give to people that are thinking about getting their first dog, and or a, that's a pretty broad, generic thing. But what what did you what looking back? What mistakes did you make? Let's just start there. Um, I wasn't disciplined enough with Otis on the steadiness and and being steady and under control, which Otis is not your normal dog. He is actually a field trial. Bloodline. Mm-hmm. So field trial dogs are way juiced up. They're they're super super revved up when it comes to it's time to go. And so as a first dog, that's really hard to control for you know a younger you know hunter like myself at the mm-hmm. time, right? And so you know him being my first dog, um, and him being so high strung. You know, we have some bad habits together, right? Mm-hmm. He'll break every single time when the shot is, after the first shot goes off, if I'll let him. Okay. But now that I'm guiding, um, like in Canada, I can't shoot. Um, I really don't um, shoot in Kansas anymore either. Now I've gotten to the point where I know with him, Harley's a little bit different. She, she still wants to break, but I can control her a little better than Otis. She's not quite as high strung. But with Otis, I have to put a finger in his collar, or he's breaking on the on the shot every time. He won't break when birds are landing, any of that stuff. And people aren't gonna like this, but sometimes I feel like it's okay for dogs to break, as long as you know guns are up in the air, they're mm-hmm. shooting birds up in the air, and there's no <clears throat> nothing can be harmed. Right, there, there can be no harm to the dog. Right, and I've heard of guys too that like to have their dogs. That are trained to go on the first shot. Yeah. And the only reason I'm somewhat okay with that is because they go get the longest bird every time. Sure. They get a jump Mm -hmm. on that. But just, you know, the close calls I've seen, you know, I don't let him do that. And it's also horrible for social media videos, obviously. Well, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's not safe. I mean... That's right. part of it. Unless you're with a crew that... <clears throat> yep. Yeah, exactly. But if you're with clients, you're going to put that finger in the collar. So when you say, like, you weren't disciplined enough working with steadiness, what would you have done differently, like, on your next dog? Oh, the next dog, that, that'll be the main focus until it's 100% right. Just steadiness? Yep. That's, like, the difference between, 
Like, Otis is just as skilled as Bruno. Um, you know, can do the super long cast, run the really long blinds. will do stuff that just wows you that you didn't train the damn dog to do. Um, but Bruno, he's got that British lab in him. Way bigger of a shutoff um, switch, but also he's just trained to be a damn statue in the blind until his name's called. Yeah. Um, and that's safe. Yes. You know, that's 100% safe. You don't have to worry about that dog. And that's where there's a big gap between, you know, Otis and Bruno and and uh, other, you know, fully finished dogs. And How do you get them to be 100% steady like that all the time? Do you just never throw a bumper for it without letting it, like, never free throw one, like where it can just run without being let go? No, I mean, there's a most dogs know there's a difference between training and having fun. Right. Sure, sure. So they call it fun bu- fun bumpers. You know, at the end of a training session, you just throw a bumper and let the dog go get it and have fun with it, right? Mm-hmm. And keep training as light and fun as possible. You just have to put more of an emph- in- emphasis on being steady and the discipline of that, right? So you may go train for marks, but you're training, you know, double amount on being steady. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's a hard thing for guys to do is be patient on that. So with uh, Bruno, um, is did he come from Otis's litter or one of Otis's? No, nope. uh, Bruno <clears throat> is a Southern Oak Kennels dog. Um, Barton Ramsey, the owner's SOK. I hit him up, said Nick needed a dog to run for the Saskatchewan season, and Bruno was available to go run and work. I mean, for the for the dogs that have got it, you know, they're finished, they're done. Um, yes, they need tuned up every summer, but it doesn't really do them any good to sit in the kennel and mm-hmm. go, you know, train mm-hmm. every other day or every day, right? Right. You might as well put that dog to work on what it wants to do, which is go hunting. Mm-hmm. Like Some dogs enjoy training, and then there's dogs that, okay, we're training so that I can go hunting. Nice. Right? Hunting's the fun part. Training's just part of it. It's mm-hmm. just like any other, any other. Some guys like practicing for football. But 75% of the teams, like, we're practicing to play the game. Right. I enjoy the game. Right. I do the practice because that's how I get to the game, right? Right. Same thing with dogs. Hmm. So would you think you, as a first-time dog buyer, would you, um, if you could go back in time, would you buy more, like, the English-style good shutoff switch, or would you buy more of the field trial one again? And what would you do now, like, um, now that you're more experienced? My main thing and what I – so I breed – my labs, mm-hmm. obviously, I've, I've sold two litters, and what I tell young guys is, I'm like, okay, you want to buy a puppy? Awesome. What's your purpose for buying the puppy? I want to have a great hunting dog. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. All right, you've got two options. Either A, are you willing to spend anywhere from $700 to $1,200 a month on a trainer to train your dog, or are you willing to, at minimum, spend 15 to 20 minutes Every single day with that dog. And if you can't do one of those things, don't buy a hunting dog. Just go buy a pet. <clears throat> right. Right. Your buddies don't want to hunt with your shitty dog. <laughs> right. And then you kind of end up in a situation where guys hunt by themselves with their dog. And because their buddies don't like hunting with that dog. Like, yep. obviously, people get in that position. We all know people who are in that position. You'll slowly get exiled from your group. Yes. They and will then, quit calling you. They will quit texting you. Right, because you got to bring that shitty dog. And none of us, yeah. none of us right now sitting here without a dog 
wants to be that guy, but we all know we could be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, if we don't do our due diligence with the dog, we're going to be the motherfucker taking sunrise pictures with our best friend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because because <clears throat> you're not in that hunting group. So, um, you, did, did, so either 15 to 20 minutes a day. I know that doesn't sound like a whole lot. I know another thing you mentioned to me, too, was the uh, Freddie King videos. Yep. What's up with those? Uh, Freddie King has a website. It's www.theretrievertrainer.com. It's $60 a month. You get access to every single kind of video you could possibly want. Um, Barton with SOK does have Cornerstone Gun Dogs Academy. Is that pretty good, too? Uh, It is very good. I don't know as much about it because I haven't actually watched those videos because, you know, he does more of the British-style training. I, I like American Labs. Is that the shock collar, no shock collar stuff? Yes. Okay, because Bruno yep. didn't come with the shock collar, and yep. I was told he doesn't need one. Yep. And then you guys, uh, with your American-style labs, like Dylan and Josh up in Canada, were like, what? No shock collar. Like, they were shocked yep. to find that it's out. It's just a totally different style <laughs> of training. Is it? Yep. Interesting. So I know way more about the American style of training than I do the British style. That's a whole different era for me. Right. You know, back in the day, you know, the, the British slash American lab thing was like, oh, Americans are bigger, faster, stronger, a little bit taller. The British labs are a little more docile, more steady, quiet, um, smaller framed. But now... That's you a know, stereotype I'm familiar with, yeah. Yeah, but now with the genetics of the dogs and the way they're breeding them, you can find British labs that are just as big, fast, and strong as American labs and vice versa, right? Sure. Um, it's, it's very. It's been very interesting because when I first got a dog, it wasn't the cool thing to do. I got a dog to use as a tool and because I wanted a companion, right? Mm-hmm. A buddy. And that's what Otis is. I mean, he's in the truck with me every single day that it's not, you know, <clears throat> 80, 80 plus, even during the summer. Um, but now it's became such a popular, cool thing to do is to have a dog. And so that's why, like... SOK, uh, Freddie King, um, Clay, Clay Aiken, um, all those guys. Not Clay Aiken. Did you, yeah, Aiken. I was going to say uh, the, the American, American Idol star? Yeah, the American Idol star. <laughs> Dang, dude. I mean, Gosh, Clay Aiken. He was into dogs. I he was just into buttholes. <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, Clay Aiken is a very far stretch of someone you would ever you know, talk about. But, you know, that's why their kennels Clay are just, no, grown exponentially sure you know which is great and, and they market they marketed them this, themselves big mm-hmm. time which is huge i mean everybody knows if you want to and are, are anything you got to market are these all companies or trainers that specifically focus on labs yep. and only work with labs pretty yep. much primarily gotcha. they will do you know some of these guys will do <clears throat> discipline training for other um dogs as well right you know um you know freddie had a boykin in he's had a golden retriever in um, but primarily it's labs and like SOK, as far as I know, is primarily labs as well. Mm. Um, Why do you see black labs being used primarily by professional waterfowl hunters? Like it's not even like most, it's not even like a lot of yellow labs out there being used by professionals. Why do you see black labs and even just labs in general? Are they the absolute best waterfowl hunting retriever? That's ever been bred. I know other dogs can do the job, but do labs and black labs specifically just do the job the best? Generally. Well, they're the most versatile. Okay. 
right? water, fields, yep. intelligence. So, so, you know, if you're looking at waterfowl hunting, primarily, and this is not, this doesn't blanket all waterfowl retrievers, right? You've got labs, you know, black, yellow, and um, reds, chocolate. Reds actually fall into yellow. You've got golden retrievers. You've got boykins. Um, you've got Chesapeake's. You know, boykins are very, very small dogs. Um, Chessies are known to be hard-headed, better for really cold weather. And then, but labs are just that all around, you know, you can find big labs, you can find smaller labs. And the reason you see black is so prevalent is because black is the dominant gene. Oh, okay. Yep. Mm. So when if a litter is born, just most of them are black. Yep. So that's why I've got a beautiful yellow Harley. She's stunning. Um, and then I've got Otis, who's black. Otis's whole entire pedigree is black. Mm-hmm. There is not a single yellow lab in his pedigree. Harley came from a black and a yellow, so she carries the black gene. So if and unless I breed her to another yellow or a red or a chocolate, when I breed her to Otis, they both carry the black gene. It would be very, very, very rare for them to throw a yellow or a chocolate or a red. Hmm. I've had two litters, 12 pups each. They've all been black. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, they, and they kind of are very different in size and personality. Yep. Just, I mean, you got 24 dogs, you got 24. So what, what percentage of it is genetics and what percentage do you think is training? Uh, and the, the outcome of your dog. On all, so on all dogs, obviously genetics helps immensely, right? Some dogs got it. Some dogs don't. You can have shitty dogs with badass genetics because of the environment they were raised in. I'm a firm believer if you have, you know, average or good genetics, you can send one dog to a home. You could take two puppies from the same litter, send one to a home that's going to spend time family oriented, but they're also going to train that dog. They're going to hunt that dog. And then you're going to, you take the other dog that just goes to a home, gets minimal training, guy tries to do it himself, doesn't go out as much. You put those dogs side by side, it's going to be a night and day difference. It, your dog is going to be the environment. It's going to be good based on the environment that it's brought up in. And it's going to act the way it was raised to be act. Sure. To, to act, right? Sure. So, you know, it's all about that environment. It's no different. You know, they, they talk about socializing your puppy or your even your child, right? Get your child in a bunch of different environments around a bunch of different people. It's the same way for a puppy, right? You don't want that dog to be aggressive. Get it around 100 different dogs. Once it has all its shots, you don't want it to get sick. You know, as a puppy, Parvo's a killer. But get that dog into many different environments as possible, under control, safe, obviously, around a bunch of different people, a bunch of different dogs, and that dog will just be way more relaxed in any environment you put it in, right? There will be no stress level. Case in point. My wife picked up Harley uh, two or three weeks early before I got back from Canada. I did not want her to do that because as a puppy, socialization is a good thing, but there, it also has to be under control. You can't take that dog everywhere all the time. It needs to be crate trained all while doing that. So you need to get it in that crate. You need to show it like this is a safe place. You're going to be under control when you're in this kennel. This is going to be part of your life. This kennel is part of your life. 
My wife did not do that. Mm. So my wife hates the dog in the kennel. Yeah, Harley is terrible in the kennel. Awful whining or uh... yeah. She so my wife literally took that dog everywhere. We didn't have kids at the time. She took it to work. They let her take it to work. Everyone you know loved having it at work. Mm -hmm. Anywhere she went, the dog went with her. And so now she's got she's a badass hunting dog. Like don't get me wrong, she's a bad bitch, but she has separation anxiety. You know, not extreme, but enough to, you know, drive you crazy. You know, a little bit of howling and whining when mm -hmm. she's in the crate. And, you know, that's not necessary, right? Interesting. I didn't, I've never thought about that with, with dogs. Yep. I mean, I've honestly never been a dog person. I had dogs from growing up and stuff like that, but yep. I haven't had a dog since I was in middle school, probably. A lot of having a good dog, whether it be a house dog or a house hunting dog or just a hunting dog, is about the environment they're raised in, primarily in the first year of their life. It's very important that first four to eight weeks is very imp important on how you set the tone with that dog, right? We're going to socialize you, but you're also going to get crate trained. We're going to start disciplining you Im immediately. You know, we're going to start working on sit day one, you know, start learning their name, but also have fun too, right? You don't mm -hmm. want to just be so overbearing. That, you know, yeah. the dog's miserable. Yeah, you you used a phrase uh, one time um, was uh, the personality got trained out of it. Yep. And, and you can overtrain a dog to where it's just kind of like... It's just a damn robot. It's no fun to have around. Right. Yeah. And it almost looks like that dog itself doesn't have an enjoyable time doing its yep. job. It's just like, oh, I'm a robot. I'm a statue. I'm going to do this, this, and this. Yeah. Yeah, just... And by yeah. the way, I'm not a professional trainer. I'm not, you know, some badass, you know, hunting dog whiz or whatever you want to call me but this is just my personal opinion and you know what i've seen well you've been in the game a long time so you've seen a lot of different dogs yep. i'm sure um so with dogs that came from your litter your two litters been how many of them are actually out hunting now i know jack jack's dog is from your litter yep and that's how you guys first met your guy jack correct yep yeah <clears throat> so how many of your dogs from are out there working, do you know? I would probably say 60%. Cool. Um, a lot of them are, are um, you know, companion slash hunting dogs, right? Mm -hmm. So they're in the house with their families, but also hunting. So they're more of a, you know, family pet that mm -hmm. goes hunting, which there, there's a lot of good ones out there. When I sell dogs, I don't care about the training. I don't care about hunt, running hunt tests. You know, that is all fine and dandy. Like, I'm happy if they are going to do all that thing, but I just want the dog to have a good home, period. Like, that's what I look for. Mm -hmm. I don't want, I don't want to, I don't want to sell a dog to somebody that's just going to go put it on a chain or put it in a kennel and that's right. all the life it's going to have. Right. Mm -hmm. I would, like, if, if all 12 of my dogs just went to homes as, as pets, I'm perfectly fine with that. Mm -hmm. that. That doesn't bother me at all. Right. How much of a difference do you think? Uh, size makes when it comes to like specifically labs. Um, I know a lot of the guys that listen to this podcast are in the northern part of the United States hunting a lot of big honkers. And uh, do you need to get like a big male if you're going to be doing honker hunts constantly? Do you think? No, I don't think so. I kind of there's a lot of guys that got 40, 50 pound labs that are hunting honkers just like the big 80 90 100 pound labs right yeah right but, yeah. but your bigger dogs are going to do better in colder environments colder water interesting they're going to be stronger swimmers you know if you're hunting current 
they're going to be able to handle that ice better because they're just going to be bigger and bulkier, you know, a little bit more layer of fat. You know, mm-hmm. I don't run fat dogs and I don't believe anybody should. Right. Um, I just base my dog's diet off how they look and I just adjust accordingly. I wish someone would do that for me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know? uh, that's your response. I wish that I could just <laughs> scoop two cups of like food and love it as much as a dog does. Yeah. I agree 100%. Dude, another thing I think, we were hunting right. in Oklahoma a couple of weeks ago, and, you know, it was like 28 degrees, 30 mile an hour winds, <clears throat> a half frozen pond. You watch these dogs jump into that water with joy, and it's like, I love hunting. I really do love hunting, mm-hmm. but I don't love hunting as much as that motherfucker yeah. loves hunting. Holy shit. No. Like, what would it take for me? What would it have to be? the reward at the end of the day for me to go swimming to, to, to go get those ducks today while I'm naked. It, it, it all just depends on what, what <laughs> it all just depends on what kind of style of hunting you're going to do on what kind of dog you should get. Uh-huh. If you're going to be hunting the river, you know, in the cold, hunting honkers and ducks on the river with a current, you want a big, strong, powerful lab or Chesapeake. Mm-hmm. If you're going to be hunting in Texas where it's warm, you're hunting for lessers in the field. You want a smaller frame dog that can run all day. It can run those big hunter bird hunts, right? Right. It'll it'll last longer. Yeah. Um, the the bigger dogs like Otis, you can just tell by the way he runs and how hard he runs. And he's only like seventy two pounds. Anywhere from sixty eight to seventy five pounds is where I try to keep him. Uh, Harley's like fifty eight to sixty two. You can just tell it wears him out more. Number one, he runs zero to 100 every single time. Mm-hmm. There's no slowing him down. But, like, Harley is a little more methodical. She still runs hard, but it's not balls to the walls every single retrieve. So you get on them, long, them longer hunts with Harley, she tends to m- manage that energy, the amount of energy she's burning over Otis. Um, now granted Otis is never going to quit. So, you know, there's no issues there, but Mm -hmm. those bigger dogs, the longer, you know, more retrieve hunts are going to wear them down faster than a smaller frame dog. Mm -hmm. How long do you think it takes? You get a puppy at four weeks old or eight weeks old, right? Eight weeks, eight weeks. You get a puppy at eight weeks old. How long from that point can you, I mean, best case scenario, let's just say best case scenario. Is it going to take before you get that dog? To where you can take that dog hunting with your buddies and it's not going to hum- humiliate you. It all depends on the dog and the amount of work you want to put in. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. Right? I hunted both my dogs. Well, I hunted Otis at one year old. And then I waited with Harley and didn't really run her until she was two. I definitely recommend waiting until your dog is two years old to do a bunch of hunting. Um, you know, Otis just picked up bad habits with me when he could have been, you know, we could have worked on a lot more discipline if I waited another year with him, right? That's yeah. why Harley's a little more disciplined than he is. Josh is dealing with some child issues. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why he hits those kids so hard. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, uh, shit. We were talking about, uh, what, how long it takes to get a dog that doesn't humiliate you. Yep. And, uh, and also, like, you don't want to end up as that guy that gets exiled from the group. And... You know, a lot of a lot of people, well, most people, I, I, some a generalization that I've kind of came up with to being around guide services and outfitters and professional hunting guides over the last like ten years of my life is like, 
it's rare to see a, uh, let's just say, quote-unquote, client dog or a dog that doesn't hunt as much be a good dog. It's rare to see a good, quote-unquote, client dog. And it's also rare to see a guide's dog, a professional waterfowl hunting dog, that isn't good. So I guess that kind of goes into uh, how much do you think, like, just the experience makes the world of difference when it comes to when it comes to dogs um i think partly it's just guides are also professionals so they they're gonna their dog is gonna be in front of a bunch of people and they have they know that they have that stress of my dog can't fuck this shit up right yeah, yeah. um you know the just common individual he doesn't have that stress he's just out there to have a good time and that's why a ton of guide services have went to if you have your own group, you can bring your own dog because at that point, your buddies can be mad at you. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Other other clients that have that booked with me, and you're just a pair coming, and you're bringing your dog, and I've got, you know, three other pairs that are going to hunt with you. They're all going to be pissed at me because I allowed your dog to come in the hunt, and you're going to ruin somebody else's hunt that you don't even know. Yeah. So, you know. At, any dog trainer that you ever talk to is going to recommend you wait till that dog's at least one years old, has had a you know formal training, you've trained with that dog, and when you introduce it to hunting for the first time, go on a small hunt with one or two buddies. One guy shoots at a time. Just get that dog dialed in to understanding what you are doing because you cannot train for an actual hunt. Right. There is such a difference, and dogs know the difference. You just can't reenact that, right? Because there's too many other sensations in the actual hunt than there is training. Yeah, there's the excitement of flocks actually coming in, landing, decoying. You're waiting on other birds. The dogs can sense your excitement. Yeah, right. Yeah, they have that, you know, sense that we don't have. So one of the fears I have about getting my first dog would be, um, obviously, like, is it going to be a shitty dog? Because I have a mini schnauzer. That's a shitty dog. That is a shitty dog, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but I, on the other hand, I'm like, oh, am I going to be a good enough dog trainer to actually make this investment not be a humiliation? You know, because if you put this much time and money and effort, and not just that, but you're sacrificing the cleanliness of your home. You're sacrificing... $80 a month in dog food. You're, you're, there's so many sacrifices into getting a dog. You don't want that thing to turn out shitty. I kind of feel like, all right, I didn't really give a shit when it came to old Cooper, the mini schnauzer. But when it comes to a hunting dog, I feel like I really would give a shit. Well, you have to. Yes. Uh, yeah. It, it's your profession. Yeah. And it, it's, it's. You don't like, want clients going, I'm not going to hunt with Nick again because his dog sucks. Right. And dude. That dog ruined three flocks for us because it broke. People, or it was barking at you know. I've had a client's dog that barked at the geese as that came in. Right, and clients absolutely uh, are dazzled by Bruno or by Otis. They take pictures with the dog. You know, yep. the dog is uh, it is a part of the client enjoyment experience. Like, well, you would think like uh, you know when you get a cripple that still's got a little bit of air under its wings, but it can't quite get up off the ground, and the mm-hmm. dog goes chasing after it, and it has to. It makes that goose is almost getting away, and the dog gains on it and gains on it and gains on it. Bam! Gets the tackle. You would think clients were watching the fucking Super Bowl when it yeah. makes that tackle. Ah, he got it! Yeah. And it's yeah. coming back with the bird. The bird's all, you know, still very alive, and the cameras are coming out. Oh, yeah. Phones are coming out, like, taking pictures of the dog. And it's like, when I hunted in Saskatchewan without a dog... 
first fall of 22 and spring of 23. You were running the birds down. I was running the birds down. I was doing what the dogs did. Ain't nobody took a fucking picture of me. <laughs> <laughs> like, look at this idiot. Why doesn't he have a dog? You know? Right. And I was like, almost a little butt hurt. Like, well, I did that too. Yeah. yeah. 100%. <laughs> uh, anyway, so that's kind of the topic of conversation that I wanted to kind of go along with. If you, so I guess. Knowing what you know now, looking for your next hunting dog, Otis and Harley, they're, when, when are you going to get your next hunting dog? I won't get another lab until one of mine passes on. Okay. So I'm not looking forward to that. You're right, right. They do fucking steal your heart, those things. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, Bruno, it took five days before my wife fell in love with him. And then I had to text Barton Ramsey. She literally forced me to text Barton, how much does Bruno cost? And I just was like, she, she started up with these, these texts that I was getting while hunting with him, you know, like when I took him away on these Wisconsin hunts, because I had him for a few weeks after I got home and I would take him. And so he wasn't in the home and she misses it. And I'm getting texts like, how much do you think Barton wants for Bruno? And I'm texting her back. More than we can fucking afford, like Raquel. Twenty-five grand. <laughs> like, like, what are you grand? talking about? She goes, yeah, I want a stud, man. I want you to text him. Like, I'm not gonna text him, Raquel. She goes, No, you're gonna text him. I was like, All right, I'm gonna text him. So you obviously are um, interested in getting a dog at some yeah, point yeah. in the next, you know, two years. Yes. You've been around, you know, multiple hunting dogs. What are you going with? You going with a British Lab? You gonna go with a American, black, yellow, red. Well, honestly, that's kind of the, you know, the direction I was kind of, I was interested in having a more in-depth conversation with you about it because that is one of my, you know, uh, weighing the pros and cons of each and, and talking to somebody that's more experienced. Should I get a bigger one like Otis? Should I get a smaller one like Hella, which is Otis's daughter? Um and I was bringing those questions. A smaller, another smaller lab I've seen run really good is uh, Ramsey Russell's dog, Char Dog. Yep. And then, uh, do I need a big Labrador? Because a big Labrador obviously uh, takes up, you know, sheds more, eats more. And, you know, questioning you like when you hunt big honkers, do you need a bigger dog? Because we're not doing high volume hunts either up in the north. You know, our yep. limit is either five like in uh, Minnesota or three in Wisconsin. So you. I mean, you're retrieving on a good day 15 to 25 birds. You don't, I mean, do you you need a giant dog that's muscular to do that, you know, three times a week? Probably not. Uh, You know, all these are are just questions that have gone through my head about getting a dog. Your daughter all right? She's good. She is good. Was she puking? No, I don't know. She's okay, though. (laughs) She's okay. She did not throw up, so sorry about that. A little bit of interruption, boys. I think you need to get a hundred and twenty pound Chesapeake. hundred. I've seen some of those. Some. So I have hunted with good Chesapeakes. You know, Dan Winterland with Hunt the North. He's always ran Chesapeakes. He's had some dynamite Chesapeakes before. Yep. Well, one of the best Chessies I ever seen was from Minnesota. Really? That dog was so good he could force it to pick up decoys. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Trent Toso's dog picks up decoys. Yeah. <laughs> That's impressive, man. That is kind That's, of impressive. That's a, you know, 100% control of that dog, for sure. Right, right, yeah. So, uh, so you won't get another dog until one of yours passes on. Are you? Would you consider getting a British, or are you going to get another American? I don't know. I mean, Barton has really good dogs, and he's got good-looking dogs. And, uh, you know, Barton's a pretty good buddy of mine. 
If I got a British lab, I would still run an e-collar on it. Yeah. That's just what I, you know, that's what I know. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, you know, I'd want to have that, you know, control over that dog. Mm-hmm. But I like my Americans too. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I'd probably stick with an American. I'd probably work with Freddie or Tyler Patterson and, and try to find a dog from one of those guys. Not Clay Aiken? Chris Aiken, that's what I meant to say. Chris it's Aiken? Clay. Yeah. Clay, uh, maybe if you bought a dog from Clay Aiken, he could sing you a tune or something like that, you know? Yeah. Everybody's always like, why wouldn't you keep one of the Otis Harley pups? Like, Because I've got three dogs in the house because when I met my wife, she had a mutt. That's the much you have now? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. She already had that. that. I inherited that mutt. Oh, okay. He's a good dog. But... He's, he's your favorite dog, right? No. Oh. Uh, <laughs> not that I don't like him because he's a great dog and it is nice having him in the home when I'm gone because he gets a little more aggressive with strangers. You know, mm-hmm. he's got a pretty vicious bark. He's never actually been anybody, but he's got a pretty vicious bark from Mutt. That he does. You know, he's he's nice to have around as a kind of a protector, but um, I'll never have three dogs in the house ever again. I hate it mm-hmm. with everything inside my being. My wife literally sweeps the floor every day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how, I don't know how Gertz does it because he him and Aaron have three mastiffs in their Jesus. house. Those are big dogs, dude. They're huge. Like when I was out the other night, like trying to walk through the hallway, and all three of those dogs are like happy to see people. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And he's just like, just bump, like they're just <laughs> knocking you around, man. I mean, they're all over a hundred pounds. Like they're just beasts, but they're gentle giants. They're super. Oh, yeah. Super chill dogs, but they're just—it's insane. I don't know how any how they get get by with having three mastiffs in there. To be house. honest with you, I'll probably wait until two of those dogs pass on. Hopefully, the mutt the mutts you know a couple <clears throat> years older notice. So, you know, hopefully, you know the mutt goes first, and then unfortunately, Otis, and then I would get a, another dog. Mm-hmm. And then, once you get your next dog. What training program, what training protocols are you going to um, start with? We mentioned the Freddie King thing. I think you've said that he does a, has like a day-by-day program. It's a week-by-week. Week. There's one okay. video a week. On a, he took a dog named Teet. It's called Teet's Life on, a, on his website. And uh, you can watch a video of week-by-week week of that dog's progression. progression. Really? And what I like about Freddie's style of videos is he calls it the good, the bad, and the ugly. Mm-hmm. He shows you when he's training that dog just being completely awful, but it, it shows you how to fix it. That's how awesome. to discipline the dog. Yeah, that's really good. There was, a, you know, <clears throat> it would happen. Maybe how like- you make that correction instead of the, you know, a lot of these other training programs, they take their stud fucking dog of the kennel and they go through all these training deals with it on. This is how you should do it. Well, that doesn't help you when the when the dog is a robot and just does it perfectly, right? Right. Because it's a finished level dog. So I like the fact that he he takes these younger dogs or dogs that are having issues, shows you the issue, and shows you how he's going to make that correction. Mm-hmm. Right. That's important. You need to learn, you know, from mistakes. How do you keep your patience when you train dogs? Because uh, Bruno, a couple times a week, he would get out of my control during a hunt. Uh, the problem I was having with him is he would go out to make a retrieve, and if he could not find the bird, like if we dumped multiple, like five birds out of a flock, he'd come back. He'd mark two or three of them good, 
and then I would send him out again, and he wouldn't be able to find, like, it was one he didn't mark, and next thing you know, he's zigzagging, maybe getting further away from me, I'm hitting the whistle, he's not coming back, we got another flock coming, the clients are looking at me cockeyed, and I just... Well, part of that is you guys didn't have really enough time to actually create a relationship on where, hey, I'm the boss, Mm -hmm. you know. I would say he's more dog than I am trainer. Yeah, 100%. And yeah. that's, you know, you've never done it. So, just, yeah. You know, that's just part of being I got a novice, this, right? Yeah, I, I'm like a I'm like a peewee football coach trying yeah. to freaking work with an NFL yep. player. So basically, what happened was <clears throat> you didn't have 100% control of that dog. Right. And that's why, that is exactly why a lot of clients shouldn't bring their hunting dog because they don't have 100% control of their dog as well. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, do you have any... <laughs> I guess horror stories might be the right term or wrong term. I don't know of like hunting with a dog in a, in a blind or anything like that. I mean, I have one. There's one specific hunt in a, it's a local guy's dog. Ben knows him. I think you'll know him too, Nick, but um, his dog (laughs) would just run back and forth through the A-frames and was knocking guns over. Yeah. And it made me very uncomfortable. Because who says one of those guns couldn't go off or something like that? And like, okay. oh, they do. <clears throat> oh, yeah, and they do sometimes. Right. And uh, this dude, he just kind of thought it was funny because his dog was young. But it's like, no, we we had like it was two. We had on that hunt. I think we had three A frames set up. It was a it was a big hunt. I mean, there's like twelve of us on this hunt, and that dog would just run through the freaking A frames, and I was just like. I was like, something bad is going to happen. Mm-hmm. And it was just kind of a, oh, yeah, you know, it's okay. Like, he's he's young. He's learning. Well, how could he learn if you're just allowing him to continue exactly. to knock shit over? Yeah. And so, I mean, it was all a buddy hunt, so it wasn't like, you know, clients were on it. It would have been worse if it was probably paid people coming to Kansas to hunt, and then they have this wild dog just running through the A-frames. But it was it was not cool, in my opinion. How do you keep your cool with dogs? I mean, when they are out of control. I mean, dude, when a dog is out of control, I like when Bruno would do that. I was like, well, I'm going to murder him, and I'm going to send Barton thirty grand. Is what I'm going to do. Like, it's worth. Like, <laughs> well, that's just part of it. Yeah. Right. That's why the best dog trainers are the guys that have the best patience. Sure. Right. They're like I, I tell everybody when you are going to send your dog to training, make sure you do you do due diligence on. That trainer. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> because the best trainers, number one, have the best patience, but they also can read dogs and realize, okay, this worked on Otis, but Harley is a little softer. I can't put that much pressure on her. Mm-hmm. She is not grasping what I want her to do because either A, she's scared, or you know, she's just not getting it the way I'm training her, so I'm going to do something a little bit different with her. Right. right? And they can read that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the trainers that just train flat across the board, the same, you know, they just train one way and one way only are not good trainers. Sure. They, they need to be more versatile. And I, I'm not that, like, that's why I send my dogs off to training. Number one, I didn't want to spend the 15 to 30 minutes a day with my dog after working in the sun when it was 105 degrees and then go back out mm-hmm. to train that dog. So I sent, you know, fortunately enough for me, I, you know, made enough money and I made that sacrifice 
I want a good hunting dog. I'm going to send him to training. Right. So, right. you know, that's why <clears throat> Freddie Keaton trained both my dogs. Okay. And that's another thing, actually, I was just going to mention that, is it seems like a lot of the, the hunting guides I've met over the last 10 years that have great dogs, like, um, after the hunting season ends and this dog just hunted for 110 fucking days, they're like, all right, well, well I'm going to miss him. Like, what do you mean you're going to miss him? Yeah, he's going to training next week. Like, why the fuck does he need to go to training? He just hunted 110 days, but yep. it's just... I, I, I guess maybe just a priority in yep. my making dog, it a priority in your life to have that good dog. My right. dogs only go back to training for a month or two every year. And I call it like a tune-up, mm-hmm. right? Let's get back in shape. You know, they may may have had a couple months off. Like Otis had surgery, right? So he didn't hunt at all this winter. Mm-hmm. He hunted. He only got to hunt for, what, three weeks in Canada? Mm-hmm. And then I had to have somebody bring Harley up to me. She had surgery this summer on her foot because she got hit by a fucking car, mm-hmm. um, which is another long story. <clears throat> Otis just had that, you know, knee issue from just wear and tear of being a guide dog. And so he had surgery. He hasn't done anything for his whole recovery. And so I called up Evan Oswald, who lives an hour from me with, uh, uh, gosh, dang, I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> I know, Evan. Doesn't he? He's a Goose Reaper guy, isn't he? Yeah, something Creek Retrievers. I'll, I'll, I'll think about it. Evan Oswald. He does a really nice job. I, I called him up. I was like, hey, uh, can you fit my dogs in for a you know, tune-up? About six weeks. Just, you know, ease Otis back into it. Get him back in shape. You know, mm-hmm. Harley's obviously pretty in shape. Just tune him up. Get him ready for my spring snow goose camp, right? And I'll run him there. And then I might take him, you know, for a month before Saskatchewan because... I'm not going to run him a bunch in the summer. Like I'm just too busy. Right. Mm-hmm. And I also believe the first couple of years of their life. Yeah. Train that dog as much as you possibly can hunt it, train it, hunt it, train it. Once they got it, it don't take them six months to get it back. Right. That right. Was actually, right. my next question was your 15 to 30 minutes. Does, is that in perpetuity for 12 years Yeah. or just the no. first couple of years? Yes. Yeah. Once they've got it, it's, it's there. Just keep you them know. in shape. It's muscle memory. Right. Yeah. yeah. But I'll send them back to Evan just to get tuned up for Canada, you know, tighten everything back up, but also get them back in shape, get them ready for those big hunts, you know, get them used to running in that warm weather again and blah, blah, blah. Otis loves it. Otis would train every single day of his whole entire life. But you also, once some dogs start getting up in age, you got to start worrying about those joints and arthritis Mm -hmm. and, you know over abusing that dog even though he would train all day long if you'd let him because that's just built in him Mm -hmm. um harley on the other hand hates it she does not like going to the train (laughs) at all (laughs) she wants to lay around and get treats yeah she's like i'll just be a house love yeah just be a house dog yeah Yeah. jack's dog hella has got a broken leg right now oh really yeah what happened uh she stepped in a coyote hole and uh fractured her wrist did this happen pretty recently um you no, mean, it happened in December. Really? Damn. Maybe that right sucks. after Christmas? I, since I've well yeah, since I've been here, so Hella's just hanging out in the house, in the yeah. guide house. And uh she looks like she is pretty comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did did she have to have surgery or no, just she's got a splint on, so she's all wrapped up from her paw up to mm-hmm. her legs. So she's they call her thumper because once in a while like she'll go to scratch her head and it 
hits the wood floor and it's just like dum, 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 dum. Yeah. And then when she runs around it's just yeah, like a one club foot dude <laughs> she's got pretty good at running around on three legs yeah she has really impressive. that's yeah. awesome you gotta watch watch out for those mm-hmm. potholes man i mean i'm just minding my own business walking you know in the ditch <laughs> hunting some pheasants with you ben and uh stepped in a pothole and went down dude it was <laughs> it was yep. uh, you gotta watch out for that stuff if if you hunt dogs as much as we hunt dogs your dogs are gonna get hurt yeah. that's just part of it that's another thing you got to keep in mind too. You know, Aspen as a pointer pup, I was running her at seven months old on on preserve hunts. Ran through a barbed wire fence, split her chest all the way open, oh. had to get seventeen stitches. Was Ooh. done for the season. Damn. You know, Otis is in training. Ran through a tree when I was training him on a pond, like a falling down tree. Ran right through it. Didn't see it for some reason. Got a piece of bark. It stuck in his cornea. Oh, somehow like he still has one hundred percent eyesight. Don't know how. Um, he also got a foxtail seed under his skin right by the side of his jaw, swelled his whole jaw shut. That's why he's got that scar. Mm-hmm. They eventually had to actually cut it out, and a big ball of flesh died. And, um, what else? Harley got hit by a car, but that was actually my wife's fault. Broke her foot. Um, <laughs> never forgive. Never forgive. <laughs> um, what else happened? Um Otis has gotten some stitches too, and some of my other pointers have gotten stitches just from, you know, running through stuff because they're, mm-hmm. you know, when that when that lab has a line on a wounded bird or a live bird, good luck stopping it from running through something. Yeah, because I mean it's that's its job and its goal is to get that fucking bird. Right. Yeah. No. The the thing about uh, you know the interesting thing about getting a dog as a waterfowl hunter. And the scary thing about it is it can go so good. It can go so good, and it can go so bad. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, like, there's such a wide spectrum of benefit to uh, detriment that it can have both yeah. on your hunting career. Not just are your buddies going to let you come with anymore because you got this piece of shit dog, but when you got a rock star dog... There is no fucking reason to not hunt with it. Well, yeah. the, the thing is, it, here here's what I tell people. If you have a shitty dog, you're going to get invited a lot less. If you have a badass fucking dog, people are going to be like, hey, we're hunting the river. We really need a fucking dog. Who do we know has a good dog? All right. Well, call Ben. See if he wants to go. Mm-hmm. You know, call so-and-so. They got a <clears throat> badass dog. Right. And, like, you'll actually... You know, they might not even like you as a person, but you got a badass hunting dog. You're like, hey, you want to go on this hunt? Right, like, sure. Yeah. It's like being a fucking yeah. great caller. Yeah. But what's also very interesting to me, the dog on a hunting trip is a tool. Right. It's a piece of equipment, mm-hmm. realistically. Like your decoys and your calls. Right. And people will get very, very upset if if someone is man enough to say, hey, we... You can come, but we'd rather you not bring your dog. Oh, right. big time. Like, <laughs> big I'm talking time. friendships ruined. Yes. Right? Yeah. I, I have some guys tell me, you know, Otis, when he was younger, he, he doesn't do it now, which, thank God, because I couldn't handle it. But Otis used to whine because he yeah, just when was birds are working. so juiced up. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I had some guys like, hey, we, you know, we'd rather you not bring your dog. And I'm just like, all right. Like, I, you know, I love my dog, too, but I'll gladly go on a hunt today. And not listen to my dog whine either, because it fucking sucks. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't know as many people as you guys do in the hunting community at all. But I will say there's a lot of people that I know that have dogs that think their dog is the shit and hasn't been on many hunts. 
and they treat it kind of like some parents do about their kids in sports, whatever, you know, like, oh, my kid's the best basketball player or whatever, baseball player, blah, blah, blah. When it's like, in reality, they're really not that good. And it's just a hard pill to swallow. And I've seen some people get very offended if you're like, hey, just don't bring your dog. Well, I've I've got very good dogs, but they also fuck shit up too. Like that does happen. <clears throat> they're an animal. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not perfect. And like, I'll apologize, but hey, sorry about that, guys. Like, you know, like I said with Otis, I'm breaking. He'll, he will break if I, you know, don't have a finger in his collar. I don't have to, like, grip his collar. I just have to have a finger in there and let him know, like, hey, you know, you I'm under going, control. Yeah. Just wait. And if I don't, he'll break. And, you know, I've had some instances where he got in the way of someone shooting, and thank God they didn't shoot. Like, that. this is a bad habit that I now know that I will never have to deal with ever again in life because I will never have a dog that has this issue. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I apologize to people or like if one of my pointers gets a little excited and, you know, it, you know, my pointers are well broke, but there are instances where the, you know, the bird is moving or the quail are moving. They get a little excited, they take an extra step forward or an extra two steps forward and they bust that bird prematurely. Right. I'll apologize. Be like, guys, I, I'm you know, right. really fucking sorry about that. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, it pisses me off. But you'll have these guys that their dog is fucking up and fucking up and fucking up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Excuse yeah, yeah. my fucking language. <laughs> <laughs> and they, it's just, it is what it is. They don't ever apologize like, hey, guys, I really apologize. I'm going to put them up. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like, how do you not see it? What? Okay, how so. How do you not see that your dog sucks? Yeah, yeah. They, they how do you not see that the whole hunt, you are yelling and screaming at your dog? You know, it's kind of a pet peeve of mine. How is that fun for you? I know you fucking mentioned this before. <laughs> um, when a guy, when, let's say you you drop some birds, you, you, and a, say it's a guy, can I bring my dog? Yeah. Sure, go ahead, bring your fucking dog. Like, it'll pick up birds for us. Great. You rain out a flock, and all of a sudden, it's like the hunt is about the guy and his dog and working with his dog. It's like, hey, motherfucker, get back in your blind. Yeah. There's more birds coming. Yep. And they're just like, beep, like, back. Yeah. No, not back. <laughs> get the fuck. It's like, yeah. it's like these people uh, who have their dogs that have asked to bring it with and politely and everything. And you're like, yeah, go ahead. And then it's like the like nobody else fucking matters in the world. Like, yep. nope, this is, this is my time to shine with my dog. It's like... Hey, 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 get back in the blind. We can, yeah. we can more birds come. We are not training your dog today. Right, we're hunting. We are, we are hunting. We're hunting as a group. You want to run a long blind? You ask me. Hey, right. that bird's, you know, 200 yards <clears> out there. <throat> is it cool? And you hunted with Chris this year. Yeah, right? from, from Illinois. Yeah. Daisy. He is awesome about that. Yeah. Hey, Nick, can I run my dog on this, you know, long bird over here? Are we, are, are we good? And you'd be like, yeah, it's been pretty slow. Like, go ahead. Right. 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 And does once in a while, a flock shows up. Yes, but he asked. He was like, is it okay that I Mm -hmm. run my dog on this blind, you know, because we haven't seen any birds for a while. We're kind of in a lull. And you'd be like, yeah, go ahead, man. That's awesome. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's that's just uh, he's that's the kind of clients that you want. Yeah. Chris and Daisy are super courteous. And Daisy's a great dog. Well, she's a badass dog. Yeah, Yeah. sure. The way you explain that, Nick, just like brought me back to a hunt with Ben's crew and it was it was a wild morning where one of the dogs in the truck accidentally stepped on the dude's keys inside the truck and locked the doors. Yeah, yeah. 
And then so there was a client's dog there, and like this, that scenario happened where he was like yelling at his dog to like try to retrieve these birds, and there was some other birds coming in, and it it was you could just everything was so stressful that morning that that whole instance didn't make anything better at all. Right. Yeah. One thing to keep in mind too is there's no such thing as a perfect <clears throat> hunt. Right. So there's always. Uh, you know how they call, they count errors in baseball? Mm-hmm. I used to always do that like on my hunts. I would count how many errors we had. Mm-hmm. Like whether that is not hitting a bird you should have hit. Oh, you know, or taking a piss and some a flock shows up. There's no such that's, thing. That's how you get the birds to come, though. You got to yeah. take a piss real quick. Or and... something, something happens that is a detriment to your final count at the end of the day. And, uh, you know, there's no such thing as a hunt with zero errors. Right. But when a dog is having more errors than it than is than it should be having put it down okay so what what i guess in the situation what 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 makes you would make you guys more uncomfortable you guys have been hunting a long time okay you say you're on a hunt with some guys you've never met before their clients okay they bring their dog they ask if it's okay you're like okay cool you know the dog really isn't listening, behaving, and then the said client could be like kind of beating the shit out of his dog, trying to get Ooh. him to behave and listen. Uh, is how uncomfortable is that for you, Ben, being a dog person? Well, do you? I don't allow that shit. Like, do you? You step up, like you 100%. say something, you get like, vocal hey, dude, about it. We are not training our dog today. This yeah. is hunting. We're hunting our dog. We're mm-hmm. not training our dog, and you're not going to beat your dog in front of me. Yeah. Put your dog up. <clears throat> I tell every single client that wants to bring a dog. Yes, number one, you can bring your dog if you have your own group, mm-hmm. which is six hunters or more. If you have six hunters, you're gonna you're gonna run your dog, but also the guide's gonna run their dog too. So just know that this is not about you. We are mm-hmm. hunting, right? And then I also let them know, like, look, if your dog is messing up the hunt and it is clearly obvious that your dog is an issue, I'm going to ask you to put your dog up. Mm-hmm. And if that means you go sit in the truck too, well, go fucking do it mm-hmm. because. Your buddies may love you, but they don't want you to ruin their $2,000 hunt. Right, exactly. Because your dog sucks. Mm -hmm. And if they're not man enough to say it, I will. Because I don't have a problem with that. Right. Right. Have you been in those situations before? I have. You have, Nick? Dude, it happened to me, yeah. It's it's happened to me. I took a a solo guy out one time, and can I bring my dog? Of course, it's just me and you. We had a badass pigeon hunt lined up, and guy kind of, like, Dog is this, that, the other thing, whatever certified, whatever titles, mm-hmm. and then proceeded to fucking whoop its ass on my hunt. And I was like, I don't know if that's normal. You know, it's just him there. Right, like, right. What the fuck, dude? And he kept it, you know, we were running in my layout blinds. My layout blind was just covered in blood. Just kidding. Oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ, bro. Dude, my no, face was like... like <laughs> he was smacking it and shit and disciplining it. I'm like... Jesus, sorry for his kids. For real, you know? yeah. Dude. Actually, spankings need to happen more often. Yeah, yeah. Spankings. Well, I got a Latina wife, so we used. We're gonna end. We will be using the flip flop. The flip flop. <laughs> the flip flop. <laughs> Anyways, well, no. This was a great podcast. Um, it uh, covered a lot of the ground that I was curious about. And like I said, people, do your research on training dogs, different kinds of dogs, trainers. You know, don't take everything that I said or any of these guys said, you know, to heart because we're 
you know, in in real in real life, I'm an amateur dog trainer slash owner as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, some of this was just my experiences and my opinions. So don't, you know, hold me to it. Go find out for yourself and talk to actual real trainers before you, you know, buy a dog or do sure. whatever, right? No, but you're a good guy to ask because you, you've got, this is all really fresh on your mind and you've got all these ideas on what you want to do next and maybe how you screwed it up eight years ago. And blah, 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 blah. There's a, I'm a waterfall hunting expert, but not in every single category of waterfall hunting. I'm not an expert on dogs. I'm not an expert on boats. I'm not an know, expert on photography. I don't know about any expert, any categories that you're an expert on. <laughs> yeah, maybe not. Just uh, novice. Just a novice. So it's, A blanket of novice. It's nice to have a podcast where I'm not saying my hard opinions about stuff, but where I'm actually like... All right, teach me something. Mm-hmm. What do you want to know? Yeah, what do you want to know? I got some questions. <laughs> uh, all right, well, um, hey, if you guys want to listen to more of Josh and of uh, Ben talking all the time, make sure you check out the Nietzsche Burroughs podcast. They're here with Jordan's Harvest every Wednesday. That's available on Patreon. Um, they do some really good podcast work here, and they drop an episode every Wednesday, like pretty much without uh, fail. Monday. Monday. Mm-hmm. Every Monday Monday morning. Oh, they record every Yeah, we, we record, record every Wednesday, every Wednesday yeah, drop yeah. every Monday. I know that's a big thing, though, with <clears throat> podcasting. Say, you know, I'm probably doing 30 a year, but, you know, when you got a podcast you like mm-hmm. and it doesn't come out the day you expect it to, it's kind of a letdown. Yeah. 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 And we also are giving, basically, the money that we're making off Patreon is, number one, going to our editor, but also to you guys. We are doing a giveaway every single month. We'll give away something over a hundred dollars every single time. So like mm-hmm. this this month of February we're giving away a Nick Johnson signature series Pacific Goose Call. Hell yeah. Last month we gave away a Yeti cooler. Mo- no. Or no, last month we gave away a Lucky Duck HD spinner. Yep. The month before that we gave away a cooler, Yeti cooler. and yep. a another goose call. Mm-hmm. And sometimes so like, you guys do like massive fucking giveaways. Like the yeah, one I won a, I won a six pack of Dakota signature series. Mm-hmm. Yep. But you guys gave away like fucking twenty grand worth of shit yeah, that month. It was month. a lot. Yeah, it was we, awesome. We we got real yeah. lucky for episode was thirty it? on that. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. That was episode thirty. Yeah. Yeah, I just had yeah. a box of signature series Dakota show up at my door like fuck yeah. 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 So so yeah, it's five dollars to listen to us ramble. Um, you know, we interact on on our Patreon page as well and our Instagram mm-hmm. at Nietzsche Bros Podcast. Um, so check it out. We really appreciate you guys, and thanks for having us on. Nick. Yeah, thanks, yeah, Nick. Thank you guys sure. very much. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, Josh. Uh, I guess uh, the other sponsors of the podcast, Nick Johnson Signature Series, Pacific Goose Calls, and the Goose Tech app. Guys, check it out. Hit me up if you want to get better at goose calling. Thank you very much for listening. Yeah.